Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts from the Apollo 13 Minute, the Rocketeer Minute, and the Andromeda Minute, uh, Jim O'Kane. And I'm Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute and uh, various other minutes available for your listening pleasure. And I'm Chris Henry from the Rocketeer Minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> we'll, we'll take, just... take your own minute, mister. <laughs> we'll just re-splice that. <laughs> and I'm Chris Henry from the Apollo 13 Minute, uh, as well as the EA Aviation Museum, where I get to work uh, with Hal here. So um, thank you for joining us. Uh, again, we have a special guest joining us, uh, Catherine Weiler. I can't even begin to say thank you enough for being here with us. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to do it. Well, well uh, here in uh, minute 84, we are talk- we're going from well uh, some of it's with uh, Fred and Marie or uh, Fred does uh, Fred does a great little bit here at the beginning where he uh, he blows on uh, Marie's wearing what they uh, I I didn't know the name of this until my wife told me, "Oh, that, what that's what it, it's a it's called a fascinator. It's a type of headgear that uh, it's not quite a hat and it's not quite a, a tiara, but he blows on on her feather and blows it around." Uh, and says, you know, let's go out and have fun. And uh, then we, uh, the the rest of the minute, we go to uh, uh, the, the parish household where uh, Wilma is talking to Homer's dad. But uh, lots of stuff going on in, in there. What I wanted to do before before we get into all of that, um, I, I'd like to talk about one of your dad's most uh, most important films, uh, his, his wartime movie, uh, Memphis Bell, the documentary. And uh, we were talking a little bit at the end of uh, yesterday uh, about how uh, the, the 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 revival of the the actual uh, ship, the Memphis Bell, uh, came about, and let me let Chris uh, take over on on talking about these things. Well, absolutely. I think that uh, you know we had a general idea of what bomber crews might have been going through. Uh, it was, of course, in the eyes of uh, you know um, kind of censored or sort of uh, war drive type of things. Uh, what that you would see, you know, in the movie newsreels and things like that. I don't think anybody ever had a really great insight to what it was really like uh, until your father's, you know, 1943 documentary came out about the Memphis Bell. Um, it took a real hard look at, at just what was going on over there. Well, and it was made really to uh, to help the war effort so that people would understand what their kids were going through. And I think that it it certainly did do that. Yeah, my father sh- uh, flew on. He had he had two other cameramen, and the three of them flew on various missions, and then they put it all together as uh, being the twenty fifth mission of the Memphis Bell. Because in those days, that time of, of the war, if you could survive twenty five missions, you could actually get out of combat. Although the the uh, crew of the Memphis Bell most of them went on and did 25 more missions. Um, they were, you know, pretty amazing. Well, and your your father actually flew some combat missions on Memphis Bell itself. He flew five missions. And interestingly, after the fourth mission, his commanding general realized, oh, my God, he's Jewish. What if he gets shot down? Uh, and and he got a telegram saying that he wasn't allowed to do any more missions. Well, he pretended he he pretended that he hadn't gotten the telegram, <laughs> and so he went on one more mission, but then he did have to stand down. Well, and I, I always thought it was interesting. It was something I didn't know was there. 
when they started to remove the paint from the aircraft, um, you know, what they found was as the airplane had gone on its war bond tour after it came home to the United States, uh, and actually before, even when it was over in, uh, in Bassingbourne, England still, uh, people were signing the aircraft. Right. And, and as they removed the paint, they found your dad's signature oh. uh, on the on the star on the one side of the fuselage. Ah, I never, um, I never knew that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I was just and it, it actually wrote, I think he actually wrote, you know, five missions on, on Memphis Bell or something like that. Uh-huh. Uh, right. It's, it's right on one of the one of the fuselage stars on, on the side of the airplane. Well, it's uh, not there anymore because, you know, it's been all refurbished. Right, right, yeah. It's still there, but it's covered in paint, that, so right. it's hidden. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'll see if I can find a photo and send that to you. Oh, but, that'd be uh, great. Yeah, I always thought that was, you know, really interesting. But, uh, and like I said, you know, yesterday's episode, you know, I really feel the 1943 documentary, um, it, it helped call attention to all of the Americans flying daylight bombing missions. Uh, it helped, of course, cement the name Memphis Bell in in sort of the culture of the time, and became you know the aircraft became famous. Um, but it's because of that airplane. Uh, there was a a reporter in Altus, Oklahoma, uh, doing a report about how these these massive air forces that we had were being scrapped, you know, because you know the war effort uh, was over. And he saw Memphis Bell sitting in Altus, Oklahoma took a picture and he's and, and his headline was basically even the famous Memphis Bell from the William Wyler film is now in the scrapyard. And it was the folks back in Memphis who saw that and said, Oh my God, you know, we have to save the airplane and sprung ah. into action to get the airplane. But it, it, you know, it all goes back to the documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's a great story. I knew that the plane was uh, sitting in Memphis for many years and un- until uh, I think they felt that it was uh, deteriorating too much, and that that's when it went to the Air Force Museum. But I didn't know the story from Oklahoma. That's great. It is a beautiful display in uh, in Dayton today. I mean, I, I I was up there about well, back when we could still travel and visit people. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, I was up there about a, a year and a half ago, and it's just it's sparkling. It's it's like it like it came off the assembly line. Just gorgeous. Uh, as you come around the corner, you know, having that that beautiful B seventeen profile, but there, you know, then you see Memphis Bell written on the side. It's it's like coming across the Liberty Bell. I mean, it's just one of those yeah. iconic images, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's the real that's the real deal right there. Um, but, well, uh, yeah. and then you know, it, of of course, your film Memphis Bell, in my opinion, that brought it out to a whole new generation. There are so many. Memphis Bell fans, uh, there are World War II enthusiasts, uh, fans of the B-17 in general, that all sprung up because of your film. Yeah, well, and, that was the idea, sure. And I and I really think your film helped with the restoration. The aircraft, uh, it, it's always interesting if you take one component out of the Memphis Bell story, the airplane doesn't survive. The airplane was in Memphis, it was in disrepair. Um, you know, there was a small group of people doing their best to try to keep it up and they were having a hard time getting attention. And when you made your film, suddenly it called attention to, oh my God, we have to do something to save the airplane. And the folks in Memphis, the Air Force Museum, you know, Boeing, FedEx, they all sprung into action to try to donate where they could and help with the restoration effort that was taking place down in Memphis. But, you know, again, that, that was because of your film that that well, happened. That's very nice to hear. Could could you talk a little bit about how you got involved in making this film about about the Memphis Bell? Sure. Uh, well, I was uh, 
I had moved from uh, PBS to Columbia Pictures with a great producer named David Putnam, who was uh, the head of Columbia Pictures for a little, very short time. Uh, I went there with him, and I had the wonderful job of finding true stories to turn into movies. Uh, and, of course, I knew that I had a good story in my family attic, and uh, David Putnam agreed. So uh, we, you know, we found a young writer named Monty Merrick, and uh, he wrote the screenplay. And uh, then, as things go in Hollywood, all of a sudden we were out on the street. We were no longer big deals at Columbia Pictures, but uh, but David Putnam had a, a long-standing. He had made Chariots of Fire and The Killing Fields. A uh, wonderful English uh, producer, and so he had a long-standing arrangement with Warner Brothers, and so we took our project to Warner Brothers and made the film there. And you know, the idea was the movies made during the Second World War because all the young men were off at war. Uh, mostly were made by actors who were actually too old to play those those parts. And so people got the impression that, uh, you know, the guys uh, in the field were in their 30s, which wasn't true at all. We wanted to show how it really was. And so we had all these young actors, uh, you know, 18 uh, into their early 20s. Uh, if, you, if you were 25, you were considered an old man at the time. So that was one of the one of the things we wanted to do with with our Memphis Bell was show how young they really were. I love that uh, Matthew Modine, who plays the uh, pilot, uh, his grandfather was actually a B seventeen pilot in World War Two, and he actually wore his grandfather's um, I think Mae West and parachute. He mm -hmm. was actually wearing his uh, his grandfather's World War Two gear in the filming. Yeah, that's right. Wow. How long was uh, was production when you finally went when you finally you know, got the cameras set up? Uh, well, it was interesting that we uh, we ended up shooting in England because we couldn't find a, a field in the states that looked right, and uh, and it was about you know the the uh, U.S. Air Force stationed in England, so uh, you know. Uh, the film came out in 1989, and I can't really remember how long production was, but it was under a year. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's such a, in terms of timelessness, it, it's something that it's very rewatchable. I'm sure Chris, uh, more, more, oh, than in, more than any of us, it's probably a I, constant replay. And it's... I can tell you, honestly, uh, and I'm not saying it because uh, we have you on today, that is one of the films, uh, that is the film that cemented uh, my interest in aviation when I saw that as a kid. Um, ah. That movie, I, really, that movie and Top Gun, that was it. Between those two, I was I was hooked on aviation. That was all I wanted to do. I was fascinated by the B-17. Um, and and luckily, I, I grew up in Beaver, not, not not far from Beaver Falls, and your uncle would bring his B-17, and, and I would get to volunteer ah, on it. Right. Uh, I, a lot of folks don't know that your uncle was David Talashay. That's right. And he uh, had a he had a whole lot of World War II uh, aircraft. Oh gosh, yeah, he had a he had a whole fleet of them in Beaver Falls. That's where I uh, got to volunteer uh, and, and work on them a little bit as a kid. And 
Um, yeah, I mean, the film... I, I, the, the only problem is the film ruined me because now I, I've always dreamed of going to a, a place where there's like five flying B-17s and all these Jeeps. And, you know, I, I just, I, I'm just hoping that one day I'll get... It's like the biggest Airfix kit, you know, set you'll ever see or something. And uh, uh, I just, I dream of going there. <laughs> but to think back on, you know... Movies like Memphis Bell, and I'm, I'm a bit older than, than Chris, so I was uh, my love of aviation was thoroughly ingrained, but I was so excited in my early 20s to see a, a, a real aviation movie and real airplanes flying and stuff like that. But uh, if we could go back to, you know, uh, childhood Chris, uh, you know, 21, 22-year-old Hal back then and say one day, you know, going to work at a place uh, that, among other things, owns and operates a B-17. And you get to be a part of that. It would have just, I would have just looked at you cross-eyed and, uh -huh. and thought, you know, I, I, I'll be, uh, you know, asking if you want fries with that when I'm in my <laughs> 50s. I'm not working at some cool place with flies a B-17 around, for crying out loud. Yeah, I always thought I'd be like Ferris Bueller and I'd be a fry chef somewhere at night, yes. you know. So. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Hal and I have had the honor of recording some of these stories in a book, uh, The Final Mission. And, um, I, you know, I, I think when you watch a movie like this, it brings some of those stories to light. It's not their exact story, but it gives you a visual to kind of put with it of like, my God, that had to be like, I, I couldn't imagine what it was like to look out the window and just see hundreds, if not a thousand B-17s in formation. Yeah. You know, that that had to be just a, just an, an incredible sight. Yeah, um, the thing that always hits me, and you were you were saying about uh, casting the movie of casting basically kids. You know, you're 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 looking at kids right out of high school, and I keep thinking about in when your dad was experiencing all this, and you, as we said yesterday, he was in his forties, uh, but just you know, getting on and getting on the on the plane and seeing these grizzled nineteen year olds, <laughs> yeah, <right>. and. Uh, <laughs> And I think I think Al Stevenson has a line in this that says, uh, "All I know are old men," and it's really I, I think your your movie really stressed that that these kids turn into old men pretty fast. Ah, um, right. It's, it's there, just a, a something. Go ahead. There was a great interview uh, they did when they were still alive. Unfortunately, the Memphis Bell crew is uh, all gone now. But um, somebody asked uh, Johnny Quinlan, who was the tail gunner uh, from uh, from Yonkers, New York. Uh, they asked him, you know, what it was like to fly a mission uh, with your dad on board. And it was always funny because he said, you know, you'd you'd forget he was there. And he says that then you'd be shooting at a Messerschmitt with your twin 50s. And then you'd turn around and there he is right behind you shooting your picture with a camera. You know, <laughs> he said, it was always like, the, I've got this amazing thing happening outside of this aircraft. And then I turn around and they're making a movie about me. You know? <laughs> That's one thing to think, you know, boy, we get back home, we'll tell our stories, you know, boy, maybe they'll make a Hollywood picture about us. But ah. when it's actually <laughs> happening, we'll turn around and see a, a especially a director of, of uh, William Wyler's stature. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Wow. Well, uh, we've, we've, we're going to get more into uh, into the Weiler family story, and uh, I have, have a bunch of questions about uh, about your aunt coming up in the in the next minute. But uh, if we Good. can hold off, if we can hold off until uh, tomorrow, um, I just want to uh, let people know that uh, we are we're always available. If if you found us wherever you found us, you can you can go and subscribe and get more episodes here of the Best Minutes podcast. Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, thebestminutes.com. If you do go to uh, Apple Podcasts, we 
would ask that you uh, rate and review the site because when people find reviews and find a, a rating with a lot of stars, it helps more people find our show. Um, also, if you'd like to talk back with us, always interested to hear from you on social media at Butch's Place, the best years of our lives, Listeners Cafe on Facebook or on Twitter at The Best Minutes. Uh, we will be back tomorrow uh, as we uh, as we finish up this week. Oh my gosh, we're, we're time is flying. Um, but anyway, uh, check out uh, check out thebestminutes.com if you've missed anything else. We we also have summaries out there. Uh, you can find out more about uh, the particular minutes that we're talking about. Anyway, we'll see you here uh, next time. Please uh, join us on Friday on the Best Minutes podcast. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.